How would Utah football had done in the 2022, 2021, and 2019 college football playoff if those formats had been expanded to 12 teams? We're talking about it on today's Locked On Utes. You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Lockdown News your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. My name is JT Wister, so former intern inside the University of Utah Athletic Department. If this is your first time listening to our show, make sure you guys like and subscribe. We'd love to interact with you guys in the comments on YouTube or on social media. You can follow our show at Lockdown News or my personal handle at JT Wister. On today's show, we're going to be diving into and talking about how Utah would have performed if the 12-team playoff format had been in place for the past few seasons, which would have, of course, placed Utah in the playoff. And in order to help us do that, it's friend of the show and Utah contributor, Dante Guardi. And Dante, let's start with 2022 with Utah. And uh, this idea comes to us courtesy of Ross Dellinger, who did tweet out, formerly of Sports Illustrated, uh, uh, Ross Dellinger who will be on his feet, I'm sure, very soon, um, had put out this the list that was sent to and basically the college football had distributed this to the media it's last year's rankings plugged into the 2024 expanded field which is as we said will be arriving 24 this will be the final year the 23 season will be of the current four team format so in this format utah would have been awarded the fourth seed overall utah earned that over kansas state i believe because they were ranked slightly higher in the college football rankings when the final one came out but either way utah earns the fourth ranking and because of that they take on the winner of tulane and tcu those of you who are listening this might be surprised that TC was the five but don't forget they did lose to Kansas State for their first loss of the season so I, I expect TCU to beat Tulane and I think Utah TCU would be a great game Dante I mean TCU played so many close great games last season it was kind of their their hallmark that was just kind of what they did I mean you look at nail-biting wins over teams like Kansas early on over Oklahoma State. They beat Kansas State in their first go-around. The Texas Tech win, the Texas win, the Baylor win. I mean, so many close games. I think this one would have been a fantastic game. As much as it pains me to say, just because i got to be honest, I felt like TCU had that magic last season. I think they would have found a way to beat Utah in a late close contest. I definitely could see a world where Utah would have won this one, but I do think that TCU would have found a way to knock off Utah in a very competitive 5-4 matchup if this was how the college football playoff played out last season. But how do you feel about this matchup? Yeah, so that TCU team, I was pretty low on them heading into the year. Obviously, that was everyone was. It was Sunny Dex first season. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was kind of a swing and a miss on my part. But I mean, you everyone just take a look was. at the roster and take a look at how their games actually went, and it, it's clear to see that this team wasn't really um, as good as their record was, in my opinion. I don't think their defense was overly impressive. Obviously, um, they had a Ladanian Lada- or LT's uh, nephew, or I don't know who, what exactly he was, but he was the Thorpe Award winner, the cornerback uh, Hodges Tomlinson. He was a fantastic player, obviously. Uh, Max Duggan was, had the offense firing on all cylinders. He had a rocket of an arm. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, overall, I just didn't think that team um, was able was going to be able to hold their own in the college ball playoff, and they ended up drawing Michigan. Either they were going to get blown out. Michigan throws two interceptions, two pick sixes, and uh, they, they don't win that game, even though they scored 45 points. But then I think that kind of comes back to, like, if Utah were to play TCU, you look at Michigan's team. It was J.J. McCarthy um, in his first career playoff game, first year as a starter, still a young player. Um, the, the lights were just simply too bright for him in that game, I think, and that was what um, attributed to a lot of his struggles. But then you look at Utah's roster, it's uh, Cam Rising, who had been uh, a starter already for a couple of seasons, you know, a guy who's probably not going to be turning the ball over 
uh, like that in a, in a big game. I mean, he's an experienced player, a guy who's won Utah a plethora of big games. Um, I think Cam Rising wouldn't have thrown two pick sixes if, if he was in that game. And I think that, that Utah would have won that game, honestly. I really do because I think you got Clark Phillips on the outside. Obviously, Quinton Johnson is a lot bigger than Clark is, but I think that in terms of being able to just stick with him, um, Clark would do a pretty good job. And then I think Utah would be able to uh, do some things with the other players in the secondary, whether it's um, uh, whether it's Cole Bishop or Sione Vaki, maybe to double up Quinn Johnston and hope that he doesn't have a huge game because outside of him, I mean, they had Darius Davis and they had, um, they had another speedy receiver, but they weren't like total game breakers. It was more of like when the defenses were keying in on Quinn Johnston, these other two guys would have a monster play off of, off of a play action. And it was just a busted coverage or something like that. I don't see Utah doing that. You know, I think Utah's defense last season was a lot more mature, especially down the stretch than a lot of the big 12 defenses that, uh, that a TC was going up against. Um, you said TCU Utah. I'm not even sure TCU beats Tulane. You know that Tulane offense. Ooh, okay. That offense was extremely innovative. They beat USC in the bowl game at the end. I mean, I, I respected the USC team a lot more than I respected the TCU team. So um, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure how the Tulane TCU game would have gotten, but it would not have shocked me if uh, Tulane had pulled that upset. But regardless, I think Utah would have beat both those teams pretty, um, pretty, pretty easily. Okay, I, I get what you're saying. I do think there's something to be said for a TCU team that does continue to find those ways to win as they did against a Michigan team last year. And the one thing I will give like a, a Michigan the edge on, because as you mentioned, Utah definitely had the quarterback advantage there. Cam's not throwing those pick sixes. That's a great point. I don't think he would. And as you mentioned with Clark, his ability to consistently battle with those receivers who were a little bit bigger than him, I think he holds up. I do think that Michigan team was it. a little... You you look at, like you, when he went up against Drake London in 21 yeah. in the Coliseum, I mean, he held his own. I think he had three pass breakups in that game. And Drake London, uh, I think, is quicker than Quentin Johnston is. I mean, Absolutely. I don't know exactly how much bigger, bigger or smaller he is than him, but he's definitely quicker than him. So, I mean, I think Clark would be able to hold his own against him, especially if they gave him some extra help on those deep passes, like on those, on those long passes where he just simply couldn't go up against the guy who's seven inches taller than him, four, five, seven inches taller than him. Yeah, that's a really good point. The one thing that obviously Utah doesn't have just compared to a Michigan is Michigan's talent in the trenches is a little bit stronger, but it's not like Utah's bad in the trenches. They got really good offensive linemen, got good defensive linemen too, especially the defensive tackles for Utah last year. I definitely, I think it would have been a great game to your point. I said, like I said, my biggest thing is just that TCU team always continued to find a way. Uh, Duggan made plays, even though I do, I, I do like Cam rising a little bit better than a Max Duggan, but I got to give Max Duggan credit for always finding that way to win overall. So uh, we're both in agreement. It would have, well, I think it would have been a great game. As you said, you think Utah would be able to, uh, roll either way, but uh, unfortunately, no matter who won that game between Utah and TCU, their season would have come to an end from there. Unfortunately, Dante, because uh, they would have met up with Georgia, and uh, Georgia was clearly the best team last season. Um, I think Utah would have put up a better fight than a TCU did, although I, I think most TCU fans thought they were going to put up a better fight too. So you never really uh, know how that one was going to turn out. But um, I, I just do, yeah, I do feel like Georgia would be able to advance pretty easily over Utah, and I don't think they, they beat them by over fifty, whatever it was last year, but. They, they would probably still get a nice handed 20 to 30 win more than likely just because that, that Georgia team was that dominant. Yeah. Probably like I'd say 49, 21 or something like okay. that. But yeah. I'm not sure exactly how many touchdowns TCU scored in that game. Probably like two. Um, yeah. I think Utah would have scored three touchdowns against, against Georgia. I think Utah's offense is much more methodical, much more precise. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas TCU is much more boomer bust, which is not what uh, your game plan should be when going up against Georgia, the Georgia Bulldogs. So I think Utah's method methodically, um, kind of centered offense would have done a little bit better, but like obviously Georgia was far and away the best team in college football. So uh, it would not have been much of a game now. 
Yeah, but it still is exciting to think about what could have been for this Utah team if the playoff was expanded. Obviously, the opportunity to get a win, which we both think they would be able to do against the TCU or Tulane if they wouldn't have matched up with them, is uh, is really exciting. And uh, that's what's exciting about the future of college football is that we are getting this expanded format in general. And uh, had it been in place, Utah would have made the college football playoff. Three of the last four years with that only year and day I haven't made it had been the COVID season, which we've already basically thrown out anyways overall. So it, it is very interesting to see what would happen if Utah took on that uh, TCU team last season and uh, it's also interesting to look back and see what utah would have done in uh, 2021 we're going to talk about that in a second as utah would have taken on notre dame and cincinnati potentially we'll talk about how that would have played out in a moment but first i want to talk to you guys about our friends at fanduel sportsbook take your first swing at betting on mlb on fanduel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to 200 that's right just bet 20 bucks and you'll land 200 in bonus bets win or lose that's 200 you can spend betting on everything from the money line to the over under to who you think is going to hit the first home run all that's on an app that's safe secure and super easy to use plus when you win you get paid instantly there's no better place to bet on mlb than fanduel america's number one sports book so sign up today and visit fanduel.com slash locked on get up to 200 in bonus bets that's fanduel.com slash locked on all caps no spaces locked on fanduel an official partner of major league baseball Dante coming back in this one. Let's take a look then at the 2021 season for Utah. Obviously a magical year for the Utes and the crazy run they had was just incredible. I mean, when you start going one and two in your season overall and then come together to, uh, to close out the season 10 and four in total, you had the one loss to Oregon state and the final loss in the Rose bowl to Ohio state. This was a special Utah team and they were clicking. They were playing their best ball towards the end of the season. That Oregon loss, I want to say occurred sometime in either. I I think it was October when that Oregon state loss hit them. And yeah, then after that, the only loss they had was to a CJ Stroud and a Jackson Smith and Jigba, who uh, both just heard their names called in the first round of the NFL draft uh, not too long ago. So, and Utah was well in that game and uh, very much could have had an opportunity to win it too. So that was a special Utah team. When you talk about Cam Rising emergence and uh, the best version, Tavion Thomas, Devin Lloyd leading a defense as well with uh, Minka Tafua really coming on strong for the pass rush too. I think this is a Utah team that not many teams would have wanted to face. Utah would have been the 11th seeded team and they would have taken on Notre Dame that year. And that Notre Dame team, that was Ian Book, Chase Claypool, as well as, oh, I'm mad at myself. I, I looked up the tight end's name and I'm totally blanking at it right, right now. Michael but Mayer. Either, my, I, I thought it was the guy before Michael Mayer. But uh, you, you might be right. I thought that there was one other guy. But uh, either way, the, a lot of talent on the Irish that they always have. But as, as I look at this matchup, and like I said, I mean, this is a really good Notre Dame team still. They were, st- But they did lose some games. They lost to Georgia that season. Georgia highly ranked. They lost to Michigan as well. But a, a lot of their wins I look at, they had one win versus two wins versus a ranked team. One of those was, was against Navy, so I discount that a little bit. No offense, Navy. Uh, they also beat Virginia. But I just look at the way this Utah offense and defense was clicking, and I believe they actually do beat Notre Dame that year. I think if you look at how this Utah team was performing, as I mentioned, I felt like they were a team poised for a magical run if this was an NCAA March Madness-type tournament. And I think Utah would have been able to knock off the fight in Irish in advance, Dante. Yeah, I think this is a very interesting matchup. Um, I think that this would have been a, l- a little bit of a better matchup than like if 22 Utah were to play 22 TCU. Like I think both these teams um, were, were very solid. And then for me, though, the, the big thing is that you you look at why Utah lost that Rose Bowl game. It's like, well, Makai Bernard was was playing corner. And it's regardless of who the opponent was, like he would still have to go out there and do that. The secondary was still completely decimated. Zamaya Vaughn, Fabian Marks, like the entire room outside of Clark Phillips was like, was gone, you know? And then you look at a team like Notre Dame where, yeah, Jack Cohn was their quarterback. He's not going to blow you away. Um, but their rushing attack was was more than serviceable. Their offensive line, Notre Dame's offensive line is always going to be up there with the best. So I think 
Notre Dame had a path to points there. You know, I think they'd be able to run the ball and keep Utah's defense on their heels a little bit um, and be able to find open receivers because uh, that's what that's what Ohio State did. And obviously a lot of difference in talent. But like I think almost any team in the nation probably would have been able to been able to throw on Utah on that day just because of how bad and how decimated the secondary was. So at that point, it's like the throwing the throw game is going to be there. And Notre Dame is going to run the ball on you. So I think they had a lot of opportunity for points on offense. But then you look at the Utah offense, it's like they were scoring points a ton as well. And then you look at the special teams as well. They were firing on all cylinders there, too. So I think that this game would have been like a not not a not a shootout, but like both teams were going to have long drives and they were going to be scoring points at a, at a decent rate. So, I mean, I, I would say Utah would probably win that game like like 34, 31 something along those lines, because I do think that Utah offense was really explosive. You know, uh, that was when Brian Keithy was completely healthy. That was mm-hmm. when Brian Covey was still on the team. So, I mean, a lot of weapons uh, to work with there. And you still have uh, the rushing attack with Cam rising with his legs um, and a bunch of, and Tavion was on his game too then. So, I mean, you have a lot of offensive players who are just going to blow you away. And um, I, I, Notre Dame wasn't like, they, they, they were certainly not unbeatable that year, um, but I do think it would have been a very close game because Utah secondary was completely decimated. And I do see a, a lot of a lot of points being scored by the Irish, but I just see more more being scored by the Utes. A uh, really close game, but like I said, Utah wins by like a field goal. Yeah, and the one thing too, um, you just make a great point mentioning is like because that secondary is decimated. Ian Book, Chase Claypool, and the name I was looking for just a little bit ago was finally able to figure out was Cole Komet is also part of that yeah, passing yeah. attack too. You get Jeremiah Osu Koromoa is a good pass rusher. Kyle Hamilton's on the back end, so that that would be a really good game. We both have Utah squeezing that one out, but I agree it would be a good game and. uh the next one that Utah plays would uh, would be a very interesting game as well to me because after that, you would have Utah taking on Cincinnati. And I think that's a Cincinnati team, Desmond Ritter, Sauce Garden, the Cincinnati team that did some positive things, but look, was obviously overmatched in the college football playoff that year when they got matched up with an Alabama team there too. So I do wonder if Desmond Ritter would be able to take advantage of kind of those same things that, as you just mentioned, uh, Ian Book would have a little more success to me because I just felt like Ian Book was a little bit more of a polished passer at that point, although Desmond Ritter can do some positive things with his legs too. And look, those were really good Cincinnati teams under Luke Fickle. Uh, We just mentioned the guy like Sauce Gardner who's come in the NFL and dominated right away, right? So I feel like this would have been a good battle, but man, Spencer, I don't know. Once again, I think Utah could have found a way to win this one. This is a Cincinnati team, as we mentioned, like just look at their strength of schedule and everything as well. I'm not trying to discount them as a group of five team, but I just think Utah would have posed a lot of problems when they were clicking at this point in the season, especially Tavion Thomas. I just think they would have a really hard time containing him. Yeah. I'm not completely sure um, how, like how the 21 Utah offensive line fared in size compared to the, to the now ones or the previous ones, but like, just thinking of the names on that, on that offensive line, like, there were some big boys, you, you know, Bam Olaseni, obviously. Braden Daniels. Uh, that's, that's a unit of a man. Um, mm-hmm. Tao and Braden Daniels were both in the early stages of their career, but they were both very good run blockers even then. Uh, Nick Ford was a great leader. So, I mean, that was a really good offensive line. And you look at that game that Cincinnati lost that year, I'm pretty sure it was, was to Bama. Um, the, yeah, it was. In the, in the real playoff game. And the, my main takeaway from that game was just like, Cincinnati couldn't compete in the trenches uh, against Alabama. And I think there's a pretty significant difference between Utah and Alabama, but like that was one of Utah's best offensive line units. That was one of their biggest offensive line units. I think Utah would have been able to run the ball. I mean, pretty much at will in that game and therefore opening the passing attack. And then you look at the guys that were making real contributions on Utah's um, like at the skill positions when it comes to the pass catchers. I mean, these guys, these guys weren't being lined up against Sauce Gardner in the first place. Like, Brent Keith, he's not being lined up against Sauce Gardner. Sauce Gardner's not playing in the slot against Brent Covey. You know, those are your two best offensive players when it comes to receiving the football, and they're far away from the best defensive players on Cincinnati. I think Utah would have won this game by two touchdowns, honestly, maybe even more. Um, I know Alabama 
only won that game by 17, the one that they actually did beat Cincinnati in. But like they, that game was was far from over in like yes. the second quarter. It was a it was just boring. The second half was and Bama had that game won within the first like 12, 15 minutes. So, I mean, I think Utah would have taken a little bit longer to solidify a win. But I mean, I do think that Utah would have won that game pretty easily. Yeah, at that point, then Utah, after beating both Cincinnati and Notre Dame, that would eventually lead to them matching up against a Michigan team with uh, Cade McNamara at quarterback. The pass rush is the thing I think I look at this matchup that worries me a little bit because I like Bam Olsen, he's mentioned. I like Braden Daniels, but they'd be going against what I believe that year was the best pass rushing tandem in college football. They had the best pass rusher, Nate Hutchinson, and uh, David Ojabo, I believe is his name, is uh, was also phenomenal on the other side as well. So this at Michigan, look, that was a year as well. They won the Jim Moorhead Award. They have an outstanding offensive line. I might have you. I would probably have Utah's run coming to an end here, just predicting it. I think this Michigan team is really good. But look, it's also one of those things. Hey, Cam Rising, I think this would be another fantastic game. I, I just think that in the end, I think some of that talent for Michigan, and I really think an Aiden Hutchinson would have had himself a game as good as Bama was than he was. And look, Utah did a good job holding in check the Kayvon Thibodeaus of the world. But I felt like Aiden Hutchinson, Thibodeau did have a little bit of a down year his final year versus, as we said with Hutchinson, he was the best rusher in, in college football overall. I, I think this Michigan team might have found a way, but I wouldn't fall back in my chair if Utah found a way to win this one either. Dante, how do you see it playing out? Yeah, I mean, you look at those two those two pass rushers, Ojabo and Hutchinson, both first-round picks. And I mean, I, I voiced my approval for that 21 Utah offensive line, but this is just another level. Yes. It's simply another level. And I think that Utah would have been able to hang tough for the first couple of quarters and uh, m really make it a game. But then at that point, it's just like they just get grinded out too tired. Blake Corum breaks off a huge run and Michigan yep. just as Michigan. Uh, they end up winning the game like, I don't know, I'd say probably 35-21, 35-24, something along those lines. But I think Utah hangs in there. But Michigan is just, just too tough to uh, – to, um, unflappable, I guess would be the word just because uh, it's so hard to grind them down. And I think it would, if anything, it would be the opposite. And I think there, there would be some times where it'd be like Utah would kind of look at a moment and be like, we got to make a play here. And then that would end up just like they, they, they try, I don't know that somebody, somebody like overruns a play and then it just, yeah. it just ends there, you know, something like that. It, it happens pretty often. And I think Michigan was just, just too good of a team that year. And to your point, even if Utah found a way to get in another upset, what awaits them on the other side was Alabama and Georgia. And that's with those two quarterbacks, Steps and Bennett and Bryce Young. They would have really taken advantage of the secondary deficiencies of this Utah passing attack, even more so than a Cade McNamara would per se as well. But uh, it is still interesting to look back and see like, man, this Utah team had a chance. If that was the expanded playoff format, I just remember, I just don't think many teams would have wanted to see this Utah team. And uh, I could see Britton Covey. This, that's the one factor in all these games, right? Breaking off that big return that completely changes the complexion of a game. That's a, uh, something that can't be quantified for so it's uh it would have been cool to see what utah could have done uh done that year and uh another year for utah that was really successful obviously was uh 2019 they were outstanding that season had they beaten oregon in the pac-12 championship game they would have gone to the college football playoff that season but unfortunately they did not they fell to oregon it was when julian blackman got hurt at that point it was just a really unfortunate the way everything ended up shaking out for this utah team but in this expanded college football format they would get a shot in the playoff. They would be the 11 seed. Unfortunately, they would play take on Oregon again. This would be a little different to me than like how Texas got um, Utah got absolutely steamrolled by Texas because given that this is an opportunity to play in the college football playoff, I do think Jalen Johnson would have played in this game rather than opting out. So I think that gives Utah a little bit of a boost based on the injury. I don't think Julian Blackman would have been able to make it back though. So Utah still probably gets gets beat up pretty good by Oregon in this one, who is just a superior, superior team, good defensive line, Justin Herbert rolling, Panay Sewell up front too. I don't, I think it would have been a similar fashion to how the first game played out. I just think this Oregon team was better than this 2019 Utah team. Heavy disagree. 
Heavy oh, really? I think, I think the 19 team was better than the 21 and 22 team. If they, if they replayed that season, there's little hesitation in my mind that team isn't running the table and going to the college football playoff because they were the fourth best team in football that year. I will die on that hill forever. And that college football, that game, that, 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 that essentially a playing game to get into the college football playoff, uh, Utah was favored by seven points. I mean, everyone had Utah. Utah was the better team. It was known. Um, Kayvon Thibodeau blocks a punt. A lot of a lot of weird stuff happened in that game. Yeah, um, Thibodeau Utah, was nuts to your point. He was unbelievable. They would have had a better plan for Thibodeau second. Yeah, like I think if they, if they reran that game, Kayvon Thibodeau is not blocking two punts. A lot of the things that happened, a lot of those like 50-50 plays wouldn't have gone Oregon's way. And then you take all those things into account. I mean, Utah was still within a touchdown in the third quarter. They were down 23-0 at a point. Came back, scored two touchdowns, were within eight. And got the ball back. They had a chance to tie the game in the second half, and then it didn't go their way. Uh, C.J. Verdell breaks off a massive run, some missed tackles there. And uh, the, the scoreboard looks a lot more lopsided than the game actually was. But like I said, I mean, that Utah team was steamrolling everyone, absolutely everyone. None of these games were even close. That defense was loaded. Bradley and I, I mean, they had Jalen yep. Johnson as well. They had literally so many, like, so many athletic freaks, so many just game breakers at all, all levels of the field, offense, defense. Special teams, even Damari Simpkins return a punt against Colorado on senior day. That was that was really cool. That team was awesome. That team downright was my favorite Utah football team ever. Might be a little bit biased, but I really do think if they rerun that season, that team doesn't lose a game because the USC game too, that was another game. When they lost to USC, that was that was a fluke as well. Utah, if you look at the box score, Utah was the better team in every single component of that game. Just it wasn't it wasn't their night. It wasn't their night. And then now it's like yeah, like I said, if they were to replay that season, Utah goes undefeated because they were the better team against both the teams they lost to. They obviously Oregon outplayed Utah on the on the night of the conference championship game, but the USC won. Utah was the better team that night. It was just just an unlucky result. But as for the rest of the games, I mean, they annihilated pretty much everyone. BYU they annihilated Week One, and uh, BYU got lucky too. They didn't lose that game by like forty because Utah could have could have scored another touchdown as the time was dwindling down. But Coach Wood decided to be nice to them and. <laughs> And, and didn't rain it on. But, I mean, there were just so many games where Utah was just by far the better team. They were the best team in the Pac-12 that year. Um, and uh, they should, honestly, if they replay that game, like I said, I think they win it against Oregon and they make the college ball playoff. Probably wouldn't have beat uh, whoever it was the number one that year. But, um, I mean, that team was that team was extremely good. You know, Julian Blackman, Jalen Johnson, Bradley and I, young Mika Tafua. Um, there were just so many aspects of that team to love. Lucky Foto as well. That entire defense was was electric. And then obviously Tyler Huntley as well, leading the way at quarterback, a small athletic. I mean, not a smart, not small, smart, athletic quarterback leading the way. You got your high school buddies there as well. The chemistry, mm-hmm. the storyline, everything about that team was was simply perfect. And uh, it's still still unfortunate that they weren't able weren't able to um, to really make anything uh, too crazy out of it. Obviously, not getting a New Year's six after that loss uh, was unfortunate. But I, I do think that um, they, they would have. They would, they would have beaten Oregon um, if they got to play again. There's definitely a chance. I think I'd feel better about it if a Julian Blackman was back because I do remember yeah. early on in that game, I, Utah's defense looked strong, and Julian was just such an essential part of this defense to overall. But you, to your point, they were really dominant that season. The one thing I will say is that was a little bit of a down year for the Pac-12. Um, just looking at Utah's schedule, they did not play a ranked team outside of Arizona State before they met Oregon in the championship game that season. And Washington yeah, was okay. The talent in the conference was still up there, though. Like it was Washington, better, but it's not what, terrible. I don't, like, there, there I don't know what it is. It's not what it is now, though. No, oh, not even close. Washington. Not yeah. even close. 
but but you're right. It wasn't. It's not like it was a terrible year for the conference. It just wasn't as good as it as it is right now, too. So I definitely see your point. It it is just look. It was the game was still 37 to 15 that last Oregon game. But you did mention there were key moments in the game that if you run it back again, could be a little different. But Justin Herbert was dealing at that point too. But I I can definitely see a world what what you're talking about comes to fruition where uh, this Utah team does keep it going. I just the one thing that still gives me a smile when I click on the the 2019 box scores of the season is uh, the 49 to three game against UCLA. Yeah, where the Utah was... defense just blitz DTR. I mean, that was just, it was just a domination first. Or, or the Jaden, I mean, 21 to 7, 21 to 3. That was the one team they did play, that Arizona State team. That That's was what I'm saying. Like, you don't see players like, having those sort of stat lines unless it these did. teams are really that much better than them. Like, it that Jaden Daniels stat line, I think it was like four for 21, 18 yards, something along those lines. Like, that's that's really, really bad. Like, that, that, I don't know. I don't care if you're a freshman. Like, if you're starting at the Power 5 level and you're having a game with that sort of stat line, like, that is unacceptable. Like, that says way more about the defense you're going up against. Like, that that team was so loaded. Mm -hmm. They were loaded. And, yeah, like I said, it's just – I think they would have lost Oregon again, but to your point, they deserved a rematch. And there were a lot of things in that game that could have played out very differently. So it would have been interesting to see how it played out. And, uh, look, it's going to be interesting to see with this coming fall what this Utah team is able to do. They have the talent to be a team that can compete for the CFP. Unfortunately, their schedule is going to make that extremely difficult. And I would be very surprised if they were only make it through the regular season and be a one loss conference champion with how many difficult games they have. But Hey, as Kevin Garnett said, anything is possible, right? So let's, uh, we'll see how it all plays out this fall. Dante, appreciate you uh, joining us. And as we inch close to the season, where should people head over to for more Utah football content? Utezone.com. I'm going to have some um, reports on about some of the other Pac-12 teams um, up soon. I'm, I'm, I finished them and they're actually already published. I have like a Wix site that I'm just like publishing like nice. a breakdown for every single um, every single Power 5 team. So I'm just going to relay those, uh, the Pac-12 ones on a Utezone because it's all good information. All the articles are pretty in-depth about um, all the teams that uh, Utah shares a conference with uh, for the next season. Obviously, UCLA and USC are, uh, are leaving, but um, going to be a really fun conference. Definitely go check those out. Um, they'll be up on Utah soon, if not there. Um, everything's on my Twitter account. Um, you, you can see that right there. And uh, I've, I've got like nine or ten of those articles out right now. Uh, I think Utah is going to be the next one. Or USC is the next one, actually. U Utah's the day after that. Um, so a lot of stuff there. But it's, it's going to be a good, really, really competitive conference this year. I think that uh, Utah, Oregon, and USC are kind of a, kind of a head above uh, Oregon State and Washington are, whereas a lot of other people are trying to make this out to be a five-horse race. I think it's more of a three-horse race, but I mean, those three teams are all extremely talented and extremely well. Um, we're going to be going to be extremely well prepared to uh, to dominate this season. Yeah, it's going to be a fun season as always. Dante, appreciate you joining us. No problem. Thank you, JT. That's going to do it for today's edition of Locked On Utes, but we'll be back to, with you tomorrow on another edition of Locked On Utes, talking all things Utah football.